0: Hey, Life Canton. Roger here. one of the directors. So glad that you're joining us, whether you're a first-time listener or a brand new one. If you're a first-time listener, I would encourage you uh, to do two things. First of all, uh, we believe that you belong. We want to get you plugged in. So fill out a Connect card on our Church Center app or our online website so we can get you plugged in, connected to the community. Second... If you are brand new, I would encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message. We talked about our annual celebration where we discuss some of the ways that we've seen God moving in this community and the ways that he will continue to move. Give that a listen. That'll be a really great introduction to our church. Uh, but welcome if you're a returning listener welcome back thank you so much for your support Uh, either way if you're brand new or returning i want to encourage you to support the mission of this church the mission of what god is doing what he has done and what he will do in the next year and you can do that by lots of ways but one way to participate is by giving um to give faithfully to the mission of god so do that again via our church center app or uh on our website uh but actually church center app is the quickest and easiest way to do that so go ahead and uh use that to to give faithfully to the mission of the church. Uh, So today we dive back into our revival series. Uh, First, we talked about revival and prayer. Now we're going to talk about revival and worship. So Pastor Nathan kicks us off with a message about revival and and praise and how those things tie together. So give that a listen, and I will catch up with you in just a minute.
1: can take a seat. Amen. I'm glad you're here. My name is Nathan, and um, I'm one of the pastors here, and, and I'm excited about this series that we've been in because I believe that God is here and that you're going to encounter him in a new and powerful way. So I can't wait uh, to see how God moves near the end of our gathering as we continue to see uh, him change us from the inside out. If you're new here, I'd love to know about it. I know that last week I actually got a chance to talk to quite a few people who were new for the very first time. And man, if you're new, we want to partner with you in what God is doing. We want you to get into groups. We want you to move forward in the life journey. But most importantly, we want you to know that you belong no matter how you walked in here you belong. One of the ways you can let us know and help you with that journey is by filling out a Connect card, just like France said earlier. Um, Franz is talking about our Church Center app, but this is a way that you can let us know that you're here. If you're like, apps, phones, not my thing, go out to the Welcome Center afterwards. Someone would love to talk to you and give you a chance to help you fill that out as you are uh, then able to access all the things that are going on in our church. We're in a series on revival, and revival is a, is a wonderful term. I'll tell you what that means in just a moment. But we're really just transitioning into a new moment in our church. A revival of what God has in store for us. And so I, I want you to know that today we're moving from a time of prayer and fasting to a time of worship. And, uh, what, what, what does that mean? I'll tell you in just a moment. What is revival? Revival is the restoration of the church itself. To a vital and fervent relationship with God. Let me say that again. Revival definition is the restoration, the restoring of something in the church to a vital and fervent relationship with God. What? Does vital mean? Well, vital means you have to have it. You have to have it to have health, to have life, to produce. And what we've been doing as we've been praying for 21 days, we prayed and fasted, is focusing on that connection with God. A connection with God that is only made possible because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that he died for us, his blood covers us, and because of that, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to walk with him, like we did in the garden, to know him and for him to complete us. You want to know more about that, you can watch uh, last week's annual celebration. As we celebrated everything that God has done, we talked about this relationship. Our prayer life, corporately and individually, is crucial to a vital relationship with God. And for those of you who maybe have been uh, wandering from God, you're coming back to church to check it out, there might be a revitalization of your prayer life, a revitalization of the power of what God wants to do in you. Revival can look like many different things. It can be loud and soft. It can see changes in the community. It can see transformations and healings and all kinds of things. But it comes as we are obedient in our prayer life. Last week, we celebrated all that God has done because it is our strength. It allows our faith to grow. We had like 37 people who signed up for the life journey uh, in the last couple of weeks as they're continuing their process. Yeah, that's a lot of people. 37, we have 84 people in groups and 23 of those people are students who are in groups. So students, again, you keep leading the way and how to have these healthy places of positioning yourself for a vital relationship with God that transforms the world. And last Sunday night, uh, we began to transition from prayer into worship. And something powerful happened as we got together here and we worshiped. And I was told it was just powerful. And the presence of God was there. And it was a beautiful time to propel us from this time of prayer and fasting into the future. One thing I want to say, some of you really engaged the fasting this year. And I want to thank you for that because I know it's going to make an impact, not just in you, but the people around you. But some of you gave up some things like social media or watching videos so much and everything like that. I encourage you to decide on some of those things being permanent. Because you experienced the power of what it means to be more present with God and reliant on him. So don't just go, okay, I did that for 21 days. Whew, let's get back into it. But instead maybe go, you know, do I need that anymore? Or do I need a vital relationship with God? And I'm, it's powerful what God is doing in us. Let's talk about this second thing, fervent. Fervent, that's a great word. What I want you to know today is that worship kindles a fervent love of God. Anyone out there love God? Hey, you guys are getting really good at this. It's like some of you are waiting for me. Just say something that I can respond to. Don't wait for me. Like, go ahead, talk about what, talk to God. We're going to do a lot of that today talking to God, singing to God. What does fervent mean? Fervent is not a word we use um, often, but fervent means to display, to show. Passionate intensity. Man, I love passionate intensity. That's like my jam. I'm an intense person. But it, worshiping is a fervent display. It is a passionate, intense display of love for God. Passionate and intense display. That means people can see it. Now, that can look a lot of different ways. It could look like being quiet and crying or, or bowing or being on your face. It could be uh, like some of you out here I love who are, who are just loud and get excited and shout. It can be all of those things. And it should be. Now, what I know is that many of us know how to be fervent, whether it's at our kids' sports games or uh, at the sports ball, you practice and that kind of thing. Uh, no, at, at our football, we know how to be passionate and intense. Some of us know how to be passionate and intense about politics, but not about Jesus. You Let that sink in for just a moment. It is about looking at how you display what comes in the heart, comes out of the mouth. Are we passionate in the same level of intensity? Am I telling you not to be intense in a sports game? No, I'm not saying that. But you should be more so intense about God than something that really doesn't matter. I don't invite people over to my house uh, to watch OSU football because my passionate intensity is a little much, (laughs) all right? (laughs) I'll just let you know. I love the also passionate intensity I see in musicians. You ever seen that where somebody is not just getting the job done, but they are so in tune with what they're doing and there's a passion. I love watching students as you perfect your craft, as you get better and better at it. Um, you know, as you, as you start off kind of fumbling and all that, but you get to this point where it turns and there's this passionate intensity about what you're doing when you're feeling it. Man, students, that's amazing. I've been uh, learning how to play, uh, guitar for about Eight months and there are a few moments where I get to just sit in that moment where I'm just playing and enjoying that moment But it takes practice to get to that point to have that proficiency And some of us we're gonna learn how to become a little more proficient a little more challenged by the way we worship So that we can display passionate Intensity, you know, we are made to be passionate people fervent people. That's how we're designed We're designed to have joy and wonder and excitement and I pray that that shows up in our lives, especially in your marriage. I would love to see passionate intensity in your marriage as you love your family and you love your spouse. To do that and display it and to show it, to get excited about it and to be a little, little funny with it, to be shameless in your love for your spouse is something that glorifies God. So what is today about? This new series as we're moving from prayer into worship is about revival and increasing our fervency. So how do we kindle this flame? How do we give oxygen to it? How do we let it grow both individually and corporately? I want to take you to the last psalm in the Bible, Psalm 150, verse 1. The psalm in the Bible often were poems and actual songs that were sung for millennia. And this one here today is one that we will sing as well at the end. But it starts off with this: "Praise the Lord." That would be your 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 chance to do that, right? We'll try that again. Okay, we'll try that again. Ready? Praise the Lord. All right. Do you know what that word is? Hallelujah. Hallelujah is praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise. We talked about last week is an expression of gratitude or respect through worship, through singing to God. We need to praise the Lord every moment of every day. But I want to talk about this sanctuary. What does that mean? Praise God in his sanctuary. Now, we know where Jesus, Jesus with us, Holy Spirit is in us, but where is God? Often we don't think about where God the Father is. God the Father is in his sanctuary, in his throne room, in the Holy of holies, a place where there is constant and never-ending hallelujah. There is constant and never-ending voices of people praising him every moment of every day, but day is more of a construction for us. Every moment of every millennia, there has been praise for God because he is good and holy, and it is right, and it feels so good to be in his presence. But in the Old Testament, we're going to jump back in the way back machine here to the Old Testament when this was written. Back then, they had a sanctuary on earth that was supposed to be the connection to God. God is in a high and holy place, a place that would blow your mind if you saw it. But he also showed up in the temple. And there was a holy of holies, the holiest of the holy, where you had to move slowly into it. And, and once a year, someone who was sanctified and cleansed outwardly through all of these rituals was seen as Able to walk into that place and present sacrifices. So when you see sanctuary, go go on back here. When you see sanctuary, when you see this, what he's talking about is both the holy of holies on earth, but he's drawing him, and anyone who reads this, to the heavens, to his mighty heavens. That's where God, and their mind, resided, was in the heavens. Encourage people to consider the heavens, the stars, the planets amazing, amazing works that just now we have a new telescope up there. Have you guys seen the images from it? Ah, inspiring. Praise the Lord. This eternal and godly image that is being presented here, his sanctuary, his mighty heavens, was to inspire the people who are reading it to worship and praise and glory of God. There was this honor in this moment and it was supposed to inspire them. What would it be like to be in his presence? Today, though, because of Jesus Christ, we actually can be in his presence. So this is even more inspiring for us today. Hebrews 4.16 says this. Now, Hebrews is in the New Testament, and it's called Hebrews for a reason because he was writing to the Hebrews who were the people who grew up on the Old Testament. So he's saying, hey, you who followed God and the old ways, who understood how this dynamic used to work, how it used to be, something has changed because of Jesus Christ. And it's this. Let us then approach God's throne, the sanctuary, the Holy of Holies, his throne of grace with confidence, with confidence. Are you kidding me? the almighty God who made everything in the world who is holy and we understand how broken in sin we were that we could go and walk and saunter in to God's throne room with confidence? Why? So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Because of Jesus Christ, we are not simply outwardly clean and can walk into this one area on earth to commune with God once a year. But instead, we have been made clean and cleansed from all acts that lead to death so that we can serve the living God and so that we can walk into his presence and feel him, connect to him. We are cleansed so that we can be in his sanctuary. Praise the Lord. That doesn't inspire you to awe and wonder. It may be because you're not paying attention. But it may be because your circumstances right now do not allow you to feel stirred. Because you're going through something or you're suffering and things are difficult. And you're like, yeah, God's in a high and holy place, but man, I'm not. I'm in a lowly place. I'm in a hurting place. In fact, I don't want to go to God's sanctuary. I'm angry at him. I'm mad at him. And yet, this is why we are a community. And when you are in a place where you can see that and you can be inspired when you worship, when you praise him, it helps those who are lowly hear the presence of God and be inspired too. That is why we are in community and why we worship loud for not just God because he's good, but for each other because some of us are hurting. Worship is powerful. So Psalm 150, verse 2, let's keep going here. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. I want you to think about that throne room again, surrounded with millions of angels and saints that have gone before us, praising him. Think of the family that you know, the saints, those who are your spiritual fathers and mothers who are no longer here but are in heaven. They are surrounding this area and they are praising for millennia. There are hundreds and thousands and millions and billions and trillions of people who are worshiping God in his sanctuary, praising him. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Now, what you're not gonna see in heaven, most likely, is a screen on the side with the lyrics of the song that they're singing. That would be ridiculous. Also, it's not gonna, how would you even do that? There'd be thousands, millions of languages. It would be terrible. It'd be horrendous. Also, even if it was English, which English? We're talking about Shakespeare? Because nobody understands what they were saying, what they sounded like back then, who's English today. It's ridiculous. They didn't have K Love telling them what songs are popular. <laughs> Some of y'all love K Love. So, how are they singing? How they know the words? They sang out of an overflow of awe and wonder that is in their hearts. And what came forward was a symphony of voices that could never be put together by any composer or choir director in a millennia. In millions of years, guided by the power of the Holy Spirit, they sang out of the overflow of the wonder of awe. And we can join heaven now by doing the same. We aren't joining our voices just to the people in the room, but to the people who have gone before, to the angels and the saints. We join heaven's song when we worship. And later, you're going to have a chance to sing out of the overflow of your heart together as we push into worship, as we push into it and say, hey, we're gonna try some things. We've been praying out loud together. That was fun. It was a little hard. We've been trying this. We've been trying that. Now we're gonna move into worship. And one of the things we're gonna try together is we're just gonna sing out of our hearts in the middle of a worship song and join heaven's song. And when we do that, I want you to remember what we did last week where we wrote down what God did in your life last year. But now I want you to expand it to what God has done in our lives and in your family's lives and what he's going to do, and allow that to inspire you. Get ready to worship God. Let's continue Psalm one fifty three through 5. Ooh, I like this. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. In case you didn't get it, we want some cymbals up in here. Two of them. We all clash and resound. And I love that. I used to be in a band and we used to have uh, uh, like the, the regular band that we would do like concerts for and then the marching band. And I used to love being in the pit. And um, what that means is where all the percussionists are when we're not, you know, on drum sets or whatever. We have other things to play with. And one of the things we were told is, to be, you know, be demonstrative. So you'd get your symbols, And symbols, uh, you'd get like one or two clashes, and that's about it. But you better make them work. So you'd be over here, and you'd be like. I was just the band director looking at me like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> just in here, bam. Yeah, they got to show it, man. I'm proud of my two notes. Man, very loud expression of praise. Very loud expression of praise. Hey-oh. Man, do you know we have permission to do that? I'm going to speak to the white folks in the room. I love you. I love you. I love you. I am you. Believe me, sometimes we need to learn how to get loud. I know you know how to. I hear you talking in the lobby. Y'all loud. But in here, all of a sudden, we get real quiet. Man, God is worthy of our loudness. He's worthy of our contemplation, of course. He's worthy of laying on our face and weeping, but he is also worthy of our joy and loud celebration. So there was a word there. we won't have to go back to it, but it said timbrel. And you're like, what, what is a timbrel? That's a tambourine. That's a tambourine, man. And uh, I was at a previous church, and we uh, we had just a, a crazy group of people, and the worship there was fire, and it was crazy, and, and it, was, it was just fun. But uh, there was, was one lady who came in. She was an older lady who came in, and she she came in there with her tambourine, and she sat behind me, and she and partake, she partook in worship. Uh, and uh, one thing she didn't have, which surprised me, was rhythm. <laughs> Somebody here like. Mm-hmm and I'm like okay you know this and it's not on the ones and the twos or the threes and the fours it's somewhere else it's in the stratosphere never on beat I watch people around and there's people cringing and people like like, oh geez like this and I just got a big old smile on my face because there is just so much freedom and joy in her worship Man, if a child did the same thing, what would we all be doing? Oh, bless their heart. They love Jesus. Man, look at that. That's so great. They'd be, we'd be inspired. So what age does it stop being inspirational? You tell me. Somehow when we get adults, we'll be like, oh, adults should know better. Don't you know that that's, that's, that's making people uncomfortable and it's offbeat and I'm already struggling to clap anyways. Now I can't because there's some kind of tambourine and she's getting excited. I don't know what I'm thinking. Right? She's worshiping God. Children teach us, don't they? They teach us. This last Christmas Eve, uh, we we you know, we're we're in the middle of sickness and all that, and we do our candlelit service, and, and this year because of sickness, my, my family couldn't come and it was just me here. And that was really sad. And a lot I know everyone's got some kind of story of like how this season has taken things from them. And so I was like, oh, I can't, oh man, this sucks, this is terrible. We we're going through it, some hard things were happening, we felt isolated, and then we couldn't even be here to do this as a family. And so I was like, okay, I went up to Bridget, I said, Bridget, I need to take some candles home. And so I did. And we sat down um, on Christmas Eve in front of our beautiful tree that is covered with ornaments and and we we got out our little scene of the manger, and I put a little tea light, a candle in there, and we all sat around, and we read scripture. And then, I, and then I got to have them light the candles, which one of them is three years old. So I was like, we still have a house. Don't worry, nothing burnt down. But to see them in this moment holding candles, and really, honestly, everything else around Christmas was bad. It just didn't go right. And we were feeling heavy, my wife and I. And we were sad. We had this moment of quietness and we had the candles and we we put on a a playlist and we sang Silent Night, just like we did in here. It was beautiful. It was the next song, Christmas song came on. I can't remember what it was. My youngest daughter was like, Okay, it's time to dance. And we're like, What? (laughs) She just blew out her candle and they got up and they just danced. They just danced. During our prayer nights, we've been watching children dance and sing and worship. And in some ways, we need to remember them and let them inspire us that we should have that same sense of abandon, that same sense of joy. We shouldn't be confined in how we worship God, but we should praise him. Freedom to worship, overflow of joy. And students, as I've been thinking about this this week, as you're becoming... An adult as you're kind of figuring that out and there's push and pull and mistakes are made and you're finding your way students I want you to know that what I don't want for you is for you to look at adults who maybe have gotten broken or paint on the way and to say I got to look like them when I worship and I don't know if I can be joyful I want you to lead us I want you to be unashamed to dance in the presence of God And I know that's probably the hardest thing for you right now as you're trying to figure out how everybody else feels about you. But you need to know who God says you are. And you need to know that you get to be in his presence. God doesn't care what other people think about you. He loves you. And that joy is your strength. Parents, show your kids what it means to worship God so that when they see you struggling or in pain, they also see your praise with fervent adoration and abandon and reliance. As you magnify God, and what I mean by that, as you make him a little bit closer to his actual bigness in your mind, as you remember and recalibrate yourself, God is bigger, 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 and you'll never get to see how big God truly is. You can't even comprehend it. Even in heaven, I think you'll still be exploring how deep and wide and high and long is the love of Jesus Christ for his people. But as you magnify God, your faith grows, and so do those around you. So I want to get to the most important verse. This is the last verse in this book Psalm 150, verse 6. This is the last thing said. 150. 150 songs. And these are the last words Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. One more time again praise the Lord. So let everything that has breath, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'd add a third one if it was me writing it. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Let's talk about breath. Let's talk about this word. That's a good word. Ruach in Hebrew is breath. It's the spirit of God. And the Old Testament is talking about the breath of God. And the spirit of God is the very thing that God breathed into Adam's body. And to give him life. Oh, this is a powerful concept. You need to get this. Adam's breath. From the moment, his chest never moved. He was made from dust. And dust he would return to. But for the time that he was alive, God gave him his breath. And his lungs started moving. And from that moving on, Adam's breath was borrowed from the ultimate powerful breath of God for a purpose. One of those songs I love that's older, it says, it's your breath, God, in my lungs. So I'll pour out my praise. Ruach itself is an imitation, an onomatopoeia, if, if it, as it were, of breathing. Ruach. It's a reminder that every breath is God's. What I want us to do just for a moment, I just want you to pay attention to your breathing. Breathe it in. Big breath. And then breathe out. Oh, I could spend hours telling you about what that simple, life-giving breath did for you. Breathe it in again. Breathe it out again. Power of what God is doing. So much of the fruit of our breath, what comes out, what is poured out, the utterance of our mouth is at minimum missing the point of our breath and at maximum blasphemy. You see, with the very breath that God has poured into our lungs, we criticize and slander and gossip. We curse, we whine, and we speak lies. You know that the breath in your lungs is borrowed. Does that change the way you spend it? (sighs) Makes me think of our vision. Reclaim your identity in Jesus. Your breath belongs to God. Reclaim how you use it. Use it to praise and worship him. Don't be shy. Pour it out. It's what you were made from. If then our identity is breath bearers, that would mean that everyone else is breath. Every human's breath is sacred. So that's the second half of our vision. Bear the torch of Christ's justice and love. I'm going to ask you two questions. We're not going to elaborate. I just want you to sit in them. Do we see the breath of our black and brown men who are saying, I cannot breathe? Do we perceive those children who never had a tans- chance to draw it? Let everything that has breath, praise God, was must seek to treasure and protect Everything that has breath. So praise, what do we do? Psalm 34, 1. This is in the message paraphrase. It says this. I bless God every chance I get. My breath, my lungs expand with his praise. This borrowed breath inside of us, it's supposed to fill our lungs and then be poured out. And when we use our breath for what it is for, My goodness, we operate in joy. We operate in fervency. We breathe and give oxygen to the fire of the Holy Spirit that is moving within us to pour out. Here's what I have to say to you. If you do not believe in Jesus, you belong here. I'm so glad that you're here. If you do not believe that he is the Son of God, you belong here. But the fact that you are even breathing right now, shows that the mercy and grace of God is in work, at work, in your life, by the very fact that you draw breath. So my question to you, my question for those who don't follow Jesus, is how are you using this breath of life? Revival will come when we restore our passion for the name of Jesus Christ. It's time right now for the church to look like heaven, for us to join the Holy of Holies, where we worship God in spirit and truth. So stand with me. I'm going to lead you through a moment of breathing. And then we're going to turn to praise because that's what it's for. Go ahead and close your eyes. Gotta pray this would be a holy moment. And I want you to pay attention to your breath. I'm going to have you breathe in seven times, which will be really easy because it's automatic anyways. But this time I want you to pay attention. Seven times a breath. And each time, I want you to imagine that you're breathing in the life and the power of God and breathing out the pain and the hurt and the frustration and the sadness and even the ugly stuff. And so we're going to do that seven times and then we're going to then turn that breath to praising God. So breathe in. Time, I want you to breathe in. When you breathe out, I want you to pour some praise out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Say something to God. Oh, that's good. Breathe in. I breathe out your praise. Good. Breathe in. Bring out your love. Breathe it out. Breathe that love out. Breathe in. I breathe out it's what you want to see God do. Breathe it out. Last time, I want you to breathe in. This time, pour out your praise. Praise God for
0: who he is. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that message. Pastor Nathan said it. Let's praise the Lord. And there is so much to praise. And in our praise... So much happens. I hope you enjoyed, especially that breathing exercise. I, th- I think that was a moment of being led uh, to take in and breathe out the spirit, the spirit of God. So I hope you actually find an opportunity this week to practice that exercise again. I would encourage you to do that. Uh, but if you need prayer or any kind of support, please reach out. Uh, again, the the connect card on the church center app is gonna be the best way to let us know if you need prayer or, or any other kind of support. We would love to be here for you. So fill that out. Uh, we'd love to connect with you. But I hope you have a a blessed week and fine time this week to breathe in and breathe out the spirit and the presence and the love of God. Have a blessed week. We'll catch up with you real soon.